quite a few years ago, what we recognise is a lot of people think iPhones and Androids and tablets and all of that have been around forever, or in actual fact they haven't. But in about 2012, we noticed that um, in particular Aboriginal people were taking up the new technology quite rapidly and we thought, well, hang on, why don't we see whether we can sort of develop something where people can self-report their, their alcohol consumption on an iPhone or an iPad and see whether we can get better results or better data from that rather than what normally happens is they have these big national drug strategy household surveys whereas in the old days they used to walk around and people would ask questions and you fill it out and now what they do is they ring people so you have to have a home phone line to be ever be rung and when it came to aboriginal people aboriginal and torres strait islander people the amount of data or the amount of people that they were ringing that had a home line was very very minor and so we thought that you know, the data really is meaningless when it comes to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And so we come up with the idea of putting that onto an iPad. And what we thought is rather than try and replicate the whole household survey with alcohol and illicit drugs, we thought we'd try and see whether it works with alcohol first and then slowly add on other substances as we progressed. And uh, Fortunately, myself and Dr. Kylie Lee and Professor Kate Conagrove from Sydney Uni and also other partners, other universities and the Inala um, Indigenous Health Service, for example, put into the National Health and Medical Research Council for a grant and we were successful. Then we gathered a whole range of experts together, tried to work out what, what would work and what wouldn't work in terms of asking people about alcohol recognise that, um, yes, we could have it in, in, in English, but we thought, well, we'd trial it in an Aboriginal language and, and we picked Pitanjara to start off with because, obviously, people in South Australia, um, parts of the Northern Territory and parts of WA do speak Pitanjara. And so the whole app is in male and female, English and also Pitanjara. And talking about the fact that it's both in language and that it is, a, I guess, a self-reporting sort of process, what what sort of significance do those particular things have in terms of, do you think, the impact of people, you know, discussing things like, uh, you know, the amount of consumption of alcohol? When we trialled it in a remote community where people hadn't really had uh, that much interaction with new technology like an iPad, we had no problem. And the fact that it was also in Pitanjara, we had old people and that who did the app coming up crying because Basically, it was the first time that somebody had actually asked them questions in their own language. It's interesting because I'd thought, well, hang on, you've got Karma Radio, you've got Imparja TV and that. But I suppose most of the sort of things that you hear on, on those medium is music, which might be in language, but nobody's actually asking them specifically questions at that time about their alcohol use and so we've we've not had any problems to date um like i said we trialed it in rural remote and also urban centers here in south australia and also in queensland to sort of to to work out first off do people actually get the idea and what we've done is it's it's touch screen so people don't have to think about for example how many standard drinks they might might be drinking it, once they select whether they're male or female which is important because if they select uh, male then all the images change to male if they select female they all change to female and then it's about okay wh what do you consume and 
one of the things that we did to sort of when we were first trialling it to make sure that it was accurate is people would have to do the iPad app to start off with and then they'd have to go and sit down with a health worker or, or, or a clinician and actually go through, you know, a paper sort of version and then we could compare the results to see whether people were pushing up their consumption on the app or on the on, on the paper version. But what we found is that the app was a little bit more accurate because you've got to remember, I'm not asking people about their drinking we can give them the iPad with a set of headphones and somebody's talking to them through the headphones. So they could be sitting anywhere, like in a park or at the health service or wherever, waiting to see the doctor, for example. You can give them the iPad. They could, for all anyone else might know, they could be watching a movie or whatever, but in actual fact, they're, they're um, going through a series of questions which gives a bit of an idea of their alcohol history, but also other things like have they ever been harmed or have they harmed other people or how hard it is to get help if they ever sought help. So there's a whole range of different questions in there. If you're a female, then you, you automatically start getting asked questions about fetal alcohol and things like that. And then when you finish the app, because it takes about 10 minutes, at the end of it, it'll tell you, you know, whether you're drinking within the guidelines, whether you're drinking at levels that are harmful to your health, or risky and then it'll give you a whole range of tools that you might be able to use to sort of either cut down stop or seek help we have modified it a little bit more um, compact so for example we do ask people whether they smoke and if they say yes we ask them okay what do you smoke tobacco cannabis or methamphetamine and at the end of the app if they want to get a copy of the, re the report themselves, they can enter in their email address or if they want it to go to you know, their health worker, their doctor or whatever, they can enter that email and they'll get a report as well. One of the good things, I suppose, is, for example, as you probably know and your listeners will know, there's always government or whoever coming in with alcohol-related restrictions or, or, or whatever what we could do with the app is actually go into a community before anything occurs, survey the whole community, because we're doing a whole community uh, next week, survey the whole community, find out what the issues are around alcohol, for example, for that community. And then once you've um, had an intervention, for example, or, or whatever that might have went for a year, you can then go back and survey that same community and work out if... Obviously, alcohol consumption hasn't decreased, then clearly there's something wrong with the intervention. Whereas at the moment, as your listeners might know, you know, government or whoever will bring in an intervention and there's rarely is there an evaluation of that to see whether it was effective or not. So throughout your work with Indigenous communities over the years, how has those understandings of the, of the risks of alcohol progressed in your opinion? Well, I think part of the problem is when, when they came out with the standard drinks and all of that 10 years ago, and even before that, they first came out in 2002 with guidelines, I don't really think that there's been this huge promotion around, well, what does a standard drink actually mean for people? Because what we found is that when people do drink, they tend to drink quite a lot. And they might not necessarily be drinking out of store-bought containers, for example, because if you have a look on a can of beer or, or a can of premix or whatever, they do have a, how many standard drinks are on that. 
what we find is that a lot of people might buy alcohol as as a group and, and the only thing that they've got to consume alcohol out of might be, for example, a Mount Franklin water bottle or a slushy container or whatever. And that's okay to a certain extent with the app if we've got pictures of all those sorts of containers that people we know use and then on the side it just sort of says, well, okay, how full is this container when you drink for example, right, and they can slide up, up, up until it gets to the level where they might normally uh, put put alcohol in. The app will automatically um, work out because they know what they're drinking because they would have to- said that they're drinking spirits, beer, or wine, and then based on uh, how full that container is, the app can translate that into how many standard drinks people are, are drinking. The good thing, I suppose what we were able to find is that in communities where you might see the mob sitting around and everyone thinks, oh, they're alcoholic because they're always sitting in the park drinking, what we found is, yes, when people do come into town, whether it's Alice Springs, whether it's Port Augusta or any other community you can think of, when they get caught in town, yes, they might consume a lot of alcohol, but they don't fit the full-on clinical definition of, of dependent because, for example, in more traditional communities, if there's a, a death, sad to say, then those people have to go to, you know, end up going to sorry camp or whatever, and they stop drinking. And uh, so we were able to show that, yes, when they're, they're caught in town, they consume a, a fair bit of grog, but, when, but they actually, when you look at um, the app, they actually have quite a period of time throughout that year where they're not actually consuming alcohol at all. And I suppose one of the good things is, like I said, you can give the community a community report, you can give the individual uh, an individual report. It's an opportunity to have what they call a brief intervention. For a lot of people, it's the first time that people have actually spoken to them about their drinking. And so... One of the interesting things is when people had finished doing the app, one of the most common comments was, oh my God, you know, I didn't realise how much I was actually drinking. And so that prompts people to sort of think about cutting down or even asking where they might be able to get help if they think that their drinking's out of control. As we know, you know, uh, people, whether they're black or white, it doesn't matter, people drink for a range of different reasons with, uh, you know, consumption perhaps increasing for example if someone's celebrating or what have you but from your perspective what what are some of the reasons we've been seeing uh you know mobbing communities perhaps turning to alcohol in the first place well there's a whole range of reasons obviously in the generational trauma if they're coming from remote communities there's not a lot of employment opportunities they come to town there's no a lot of employment opportunities for them in town either and you always hear town people basically saying, well, if it wasn't for the mob coming into from remote communities, they're the ones who are sort of giving us a bad image, when in actual fact people are coming into town because they might be looking for you know, health services or access to, to employment or, or a whole range of things. It's interesting, once we sort of started doing the Grog app, 
we then sort of started doing what we call diversionary type programs. Part of the things that they had to do to be involved in the diversionary programs was to stop drinking and, and people did and a few of those have then progressed on to getting full-time in or employment anyway. And so there's a whole range of reasons why people do drink. Um, we do ask in the app sort of things like, you know, can you tell us about why you do drink and do you drink when you tend to be happy, bored, sad, you know, because there's a death or whatever, or you're celebrating whether it's the AFL, the NRL, NAIDOC, whatever. And so we can get a, a, an idea as to when people are drinking based on what they sort of say in the app as to whether, you know, they're drinking because they've got nothing to do or whether they're drinking because it's a one-off celebration or is this the pattern of drinking that they do maybe not every day but, you know, when they have money and things like that. And um, the app asks a whole range of questions and it takes about 10 minutes of people's time and they get a, quite a clear picture of what they may or may not be consuming in a given period of time. And just finally, Scott, uh, have, you, have you sort of been satisfied in terms of how the app progress has been going and things like that? And what, what are your aspirations for the app once it's you know officially released and out there? Well, we're pretty happy with the way it's going. In communities where we've, we've, we've gone into, obviously with community permission and things like that, um, ethics um, considerations, we've had no problem with people coming up and, and wanting to do the app. Um, for example, we're doing it in a major centre at the moment where we're recruiting up to nearly 800 Aboriginal folk to do the app. And we know we've already done over 30, 40%. So we don't really have a problem with pe once people hear about it, people have got no drama coming along and doing the app. The goal is to have the app readily available on the app store so that communities um, can download them and, and, and use it freely. One of the things we're hoping to do in the near future is is talk to uh, Minister Wyatt about uh, maybe providing a, a grant where we could provide Aboriginal services with one to two iPads that they can download the app onto and use it, whether it's in their health service setting or whether it's in their community setting, where they can keep an eye on whether people are or, or whether community consumption is going up or going down, depending on what might be happening in that community at a particular point in time, rather than just rely on, like, a lot of government interventions are based on anecdotal evidence rather than, than factual evidence. And so we think that having this will clearly give a, a better picture as to what is going on and what people are consuming and how often they're consuming. And, and also, more importantly, I suppose, because one of the questions is, how easy is it or how hard or how difficult is it if you wanted to get help around your alcohol um, use, do you have to travel huge distances, for example, to access residential rehab if that's what you need or, or even, even a detox unit? And so you can then sort of find out, are services that, that could help people, are they needed in a given area? And if so, here, here's some evidence that shows that, yes, we've got a lot of people who, who need help. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the distance that they have to travel to get to, to get that help is just too far away.